The million dollar question, how do entrepreneurs transition from self-employed to owning a business that turns a profit? My name is Chris Waters, and this podcast has the million dollar answer. Welcome to CEO Secrets. Hey guys, it's your host, Chris Waters, CEO of Secrets. I'm excited to have a guest on today, a powerhouse in the real estate industry based out of Denver, Colorado. Um, I hope we get into his story about growing up and uh, his time in the U.S. Army. Brendan Bardick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. Brendan, so you've sold over a billion dollars in real estate. That's a lot of homes. Um, yeah. and, and you did all that as a producing agent, not as a team, but out there hustling. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So that was myself. And over the years, it ended up, you know, one assistant, two assistants, three assistants. And then from there started to make that transition to to building a team. And now I have a um, 24 person team, a brokerage of about 250 agents, and then a uh, real estate coaching company that uh, we help uh, agents hopefully do the same thing. Yeah. And you didn't, it's not like you grew up with a silver spoon. You started working for a top producer at eight bucks an hour and had a pretty rough upgrowing. I mean, nothing was handed to you. Tell, tell the audience a little bit more about that, just to give them a sense of context that um, yeah. anything is possible with willpower. It is. Anything is possible. That's right, Chris. And so, yeah, no, I grew up in the social service system. I was unable to go back to my home from the age of 11 due to abuse and alcohol. And my, my parents just weren't a stable place for me to be. So went into the social service system when I was 11, emancipated when I was 17, got my GED, went into the United States Army. And um, when I got out of the army, I started working for a private contractor called Halliburton. And uh, I was in a weird way doing property management for that company. So when I finished working that contract, I thought property management would be the way to go. I went to real estate school and the instructor said, you talk way too much to be in property management. So he advised me I should go into regular real estate. And I started working for my mentor at the time for eight bucks an hour. And she was a killer, still is an amazing agent that was a Mike Ferry trained agent. So she was very, you know, cold call, expired, you know, wouldn't leave the house without a signature type of go-getter. And I learned everything I could from her, was an agent. I was an assistant to her for about a year and a half then was an agent on her team, then started on my own and then started my team years later. What was the driver for you? Like, what is it? I mean, what, what pushes you? I think it was two things. A great question, Chris. I think it was really with the big, the difference for me was even being in the army, I, I thought I was going to be a security guard. Like I didn't have a big future. It wasn't like I woke up and I was like, I'm going to take over the world. Why I think real estate is so powerful is once I started working for Susan, uh, my mentor at the time, I saw what she was doing and I saw how much fun she was having, how much money she was making and it, how many doors it opened. And she also was a very, very philanthropy driven person. She was helping out so many different people, whether it was her family members. And I said, wow, if, if I can learn what this amazing woman's doing, and I can sell, she was doing probably a million and a half in GCI. So she's making a million and a half a year by herself with one assistant. I go, if she can do that, then I can do it. Because what I once I was around her enough, I realized it wasn't a degree that got you there. It wasn't, you know, this magic wand. It was, it was a formula. 
you know, all of real estate just comes down to a formula. And she knew if she had X amount of conversations about real estate with the right people, with the right scripts, with the right listing presentation, then she could go out and do a ton of business and have life-changing money. What, what, so now you're at this point where you've got a very successful team, very successful brokerage, coaching business. I mean, what's, what's next for you? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So, so yeah, our goal is to be the uh, first thousand family served team in the state of Colorado. So that's one of our big goals. And to do that, we know that we have to have 80, 80 talented agents as part of our organization. Our team is designed around helping each agent, you know, become a net millionaire in five years or less. And so we have a formula and a program that we do with each agent that joins our organization to make sure that they're on that path because someone explained that path to me. So we focus a lot on wealth building. We focus a lot on just understanding money. I think, you know, big thing, Chris, that I'm sure you're aware of is most people just, there, there is no real college degree that says, here's how you build wealth. If you, you know, aren't a lawyer, doctor, or stockbroker. And I think people don't realize that it's just a formula. And if you learn that formula and you practice it and talk about it with enough people on a weekly, daily, and monthly basis, you'll get there. How many, how many deals is your team doing? And how many deals is your brokerage with 200 plus people doing? Yeah. Yeah. So our team does about 350. We do about 130 to 150 million in sales volume. The brokerage last year, I think did, I want to say about 2,900 closed transactions. And I don't know what the volume was off the top of my head. Do you have any issue with like guys on your team wanting to go over to the brokerage once they think they haven't figured out to get, I'm assuming they get a better commission split on the brokerage versus the team? Yeah. Well, it, it, great question, Chris. So it, it totally depends. So with our team, we have what we call a path to ownership. So if you're a member on our team, if you're doing one deal a month after your training period, one, one deal at least minimum a month, you get to stay. If you're averaging two to three transactions, we provide you a full-time showing assistant. When you're at three to five transactions, we provide you half an assistant, meaning we not a human being, but half pay for half of an assistant. And then when you're averaging five to seven or about that, we pay for a full assistant. And then at that point, we start talking about ownership. So our company, I want every single agent to have ownership inside our, our company. So they grow. And as we grow, they make that money as well. And the market center taught me how to do that, that, or the brokerage we call market centers and Keller, Keller Williams. But that taught me how to understand that every organization is basically a hundred shares. And if I could make you know people understand that, Hey, there's a path to ownership. Well, then hopefully you don't really want to leave because you like the community, you like the people, and you're an owner. So that's how I've, I've tried to design it was, yes, years ago, I think I had an issue where, not that agents would leave because of a better split, it would get to a point where I think agents, all of us want to not have to wake up and sell by, by force every day, right? There's got, what I try to do is go, look, you can have, we, we have, you know, ownership and title companies. We have owners, you know, it's like, how can we build these wealth buckets? So in five years, when you're working with me, we're doing some really cool stuff. Not, you just have to go slaying houses every day. For you, what net income is higher, the brokerage or the team? Or do you make more money? Oh, the team. 
The team. Yeah. The team simply on the aspect of we make more money with the team simply because of the the value that we bring to the team and then the way that it is structured. Our office is a high volume agent office with a cap structure. So if you have a cap, it's very difficult. You have to have a boatload of agents, for example, 250 of them to make any decent kind of money. But on the team, since it's not capped because you're constantly providing transaction management, training, leads, and all of that, since it never caps, there's definitely a lot higher ceiling there. Why do you keep the brokerage going? That's a, I get that question all the time as well. And Chris, the real reason is um, about five years ago, I was either going to leave and do my own thing or just take over the brokerage because for me, the environment and the community was just as important to me if my agents were going to be there and I hated being there, then that affected everyone. So the previous owner was a good enough guy. I, I still think he's a great guy. It just wasn't a, he had five offices. It wasn't his pride and joy. So I wanted to build a place that was my pride and joy that I spend, a, you know, since I'm, I'm there a lot, I have a, you know, I spend a lot of time in the office that I wanted to make it a good, a good time, a fun place. So I never looked at it as the brokerage being this huge money maker for me. I looked at it as I want my team to have a home that they enjoy, that we can really have a blast in. Otherwise, we could have just gone off on our own island and did it ourselves. And you own the KW Market Center? The That's current, correct. You're mm-hmm. the franchisee? Yep. you have any partners in the deal or you're by yourself? Uh, yeah, no. So I have three agent owner partners. Uh, I'm the majority owner, but yeah, they're all amazing. It's just a good group. Uh, you know, just, just this other night we had, you know, our whole office, we had a casino night party and it's, it's just stuff like that, where I think culture I've learned over the years now is, is so valuable to morale and to recruiting and to retention, right? I mean, half the people in my office, I'm great friends with, and, you know, you know, consider them to be great friends of mine. And I just enjoy the environment. Like when you think about your brokerage and the agents, the ones that leave, is there one place they typically go? Um, Well, yeah, for us, it's one of two ways. They either go to the bottom barrel cheapest, which in our market center is probably like a HomeSmart or a, uh, we have like a company here called Metro Brokers. So basically they just go and pay $450 a transaction, get nothing. And they do nine or 10 deals a year there, or they go to the ultra boutique and go to a very higher split structure where basically they think everything on earth is going to be taken care of for them. So that's usually what we see is usually high-end boutique or do every transaction for a dollar. Is KW going to be going public soon? Yeah. from Well, I don't know soon. I mean, from, from what the estimate is, I would say they're probably a year and a half out from, from doing that. But yeah, Gary Keller, you know, his plan with that is Hey, you know, to be able to play in this world, we're going to need enough capital to be able to do things that we need to do to insulate the agents from the Zillows, the home lights, the organizations out there that are making moves to try to make the individual agent inconsequential. Is the best way I could say it. So is he is he telling everybody at KW? I'm assuming the the money will be raised to help give. 
agents access to funding to provide an instant offer type solution to compete? Exactly. Well, we already have, yeah, we already have. Okay. So we have instant cash offers called Keller Offers, which our office uses all the time. That one's backed um, by offer pads. Is that right? That, yep. So yeah. some of it, some of it's yeah. privately backed, some of it's, yeah. So exactly. So more money to do that, more to do more what we call the concierge program or the fix and list. So, hey, we can go and identify this property and just have this bankroll. I mean, when you're talking a hundred and I don't know what the current count is today, 160,000 agents, it's a much different subject than for a smaller company like a Compass or an EXP or something that has 30 or 40,000 agents to make those promises to all their agents. Because if everybody says yes at Keller, there's got to be a bankroll there to back it. So you're exactly right. Yeah, to raise funds for those types of programs. Speaking of iBuyers, are your agents giving you feedback that the iBuyer offers are coming in, netting sellers more money than if they hired a traditional agent? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, especially in our market, I mean, we're seeing offers that sometimes, not all the time, I mean, again, it's just like everything else that are blowing our minds of going, how are they possibly doing this? And how is there any financial benefit to them in it? So yeah, there's things that we're seeing that make no sense, except for we get that it's a long-term hold in place situation. And they're leveraging the fact that they think that the rental market is going to stay as strong as it is for the years to come, but they're hedging a lot of risk on some of these deals. I mean, there's some deals I've seen where I can't make it make any sense. There's no possible way it makes sense. So your agents tell the consumer to accept the iBuyer offer. And then depending upon, yeah, yeah. actually sometimes absolutely. Because it, you know, our agents are very honest in going, Hey, look, our goal is to net you the most money possible. I'm not going to sit here and take on a listing and lie to you and have it sit on the market when it's not going to sell. If they're willing, able, and ready to make you this type of offer, I would jump on it. Do you have any opinion of the acquisition of showing time by Zillow? Uh, I think it's interesting. I think, you know, again, talking about, you know, again, the reason why I'm with the company I'm with is if everybody's making their play, right? Everybody's making their move to go, how can I monetize this industry, simplify it to a point where we control all the data. And again, every move that's being made right now is a play for data, right? And so how do I make the move to control the data? I think the more fascinating piece is, you know, acquiring inspection companies to make sure that we have all the previous inspection data on, you know, so again, kind of like a Carfax, right? Imagine you you had the inspection data on a house that was bought three years ago and it stays on file forever. But if you're the company that controls that data and you could say to the consumer, hey, just so you know, while you're out looking for properties, we already have about 40% of all the inspection data on all those homes prior. You can run that prior to you moving forward. I think that's the more interesting play than showing time. So Zillow acquired the deal between showing time and Zillow is being investigated by the FTC because if Zillow can tell a consumer what the home is worth online and then Zillow has all of the data on showings and whatnot, then and they know that demand is on the rise, they could increase the price and immediately make a profit. That's exactly right. So yes. do you do you think price this fixing. do you think this deal will get blocked, this acquisition of showing time, or do you think it'll it'll play out? Again, from what I can see, it's going to play out. I mean, I don't know enough about- so you, you, th- you think they'll acquire showing time and the deal go through? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't see how there's enough legal clout to try to block it. But again, and if Zillow doesn't do it under the Zillow's name, Zillow has so many other subsidiaries where they would obviously do something. But Zillow is not stupid. They understand the battle for this universe is data. And, and so they're going to make every play on every move they can 
to control that data so they can create an Uber universe where an agent will show up for 50 bucks to show a house and try to, this is why I tell people all the time, Chris, that this is the craziest time in real estate where we've always talked to agents about, you need to be a specialist, right? Like the general practitioner will die, right? Because if I can replicate what any, any Joe on the street can do, which is access the MLS, go show a house, then will there always be a consumer for that? Sure. Some consumer is going to go, look, I don't mind putting the legwork in to save the commission and do some extra stuff. But if I'm working and I'm a specialist and I know that a buyer's coming in and they want a specific property type or a specific neighborhood, and they know that my name coincides with the best in the business in that particular field or area, then they're going to be willing to work with me as a consultant. And that's how I look at myself as a consultant to make sure that they're going to have the best experience on earth. Right. So you, again, like we just talked about, you're going to have a, a Costco real estate experience and you're going to have an Hermes real estate experience. Both the, um, of them have a different market of buyer that'll use each, each type of product. The showing time platform controls over 80% of the showings. 80%. Sure. If, if the uh, consumer's on Zillow, they can put the house on Zillow themselves. Zillow sends them a lockbox that works for for buyers and agents. I mean, in a sense, it is kind of like turning agents into an Uber driver because yeah. consumers will own much more of the process of finding a house. As technology eliminates most of the customer journey, if you will, at like if you think about for real estate teams and brokerages, you know, you generate leads or do things to get referrals. You meet the people, assess value for them about the property. You give them guidance, et cetera, put the house on the market, you know, the customer journey, right? Yep. If Zillow eliminates all of that using technology and um, essentially, you know, you don't even need an agent to open the door and agents just are basically on Zoom advising people and helping them with contracts. What do you think, like how, how, how do agents make money? If we get to a point where the tech replaces like 80% of the customer journey and the only thing the agent has left to do is be a advisor, be a Zoom. Because the consumer already saw inside the house, they have an inspector telling them what's wrong with it. The websites are giving well, them- Chris, we, already, we already saw this during COVID. I mean, I was doing, and still to this day, I've kept on doing it and my team does it, virtual listing presentations. So think about this, right? I don't have to come to your home anymore to list your home. Uh, ahead of time, you're either going to, and in the future, I'm sure even this, I either drop off or mail an iPad to you if you're not comfortable enough using it or some form of the device where you can FaceTime with me, show me your property, do a tour. I educate you through the process. I'm going to do an analysis of value on it. The problem with what the, still the things that Zillow cannot do just quite yet is see inside your house, see the condition, the repairs, the updates, the upgrades, especially on homes like we have homes here that were built in 1890, right? So they can't quite understand the difference of a house that's on this street versus this street. Will the tech get better and the algorithm possibly work some of that out? Sure. But every, to answer your question is, yes, will the, the way that we consult with clients and interface with clients greatly change? Absolutely. Even how we're doing buyers right now, you know, again, I, I will, you know, because of how quick the multiple offer situation is, my agents will go out, FaceTime a property with the client because they have to make an offer that quick before it's gone. They're no longer going there in person anymore. So that's already changed, I think, in a lot of ways. 
What they're hiring people for, though, is the same thing, right? You could go and get arrested and you can get assigned a public defender or you can get arrested and have a big time lawyer that knows his stuff that can help you hopefully not go to jail. I think it's the same type of difference in real estate and the same type of difference in everything. You're going to have specialized consultants that really know their stuff that you're going to want to work with that are going to be the premier agents. And then you're going to have taxi cab drivers that do all the rest. And that's the thing I think agents have to start figuring out really, really quick is, am I going to be the, the end all name when it comes to when a couple gets divorced, am I the number one name in real estate for divorced couples, you know, you know, real estate or family separation, real estate? Am I the number one name, or at least am I in the top five, right? When it comes to that. So I think that's the change. Yes. Do I think it'll eradicate? No, because even if all of this still works, we still know there's so many legality things that happen. I mean, even on the luxury homes, I saw Chris, they're aging a company. I don't think a seller is going to ever give a code to somebody randomly through Zillow, even if they took a 15 page background check on them and allow them access to their $3.5 million property where they have gosh knows how much in our items of value and all this stuff. I don't think anyone's going to feel comfortable for that for a long time. I'm not saying it won't get there someday, but I think we're years and years out from that. And then on top of that, you still have to think about mountain properties, acreage. We sell properties with 35, 50, 70 acres of property where I have to take people on four-wheelers to show them all the acreage and, and to make sure they understand it. Explaining septic systems, tap fees. I mean, Chris, yes. Do I think for a certain product, three fifty dollars to $500,000 single family home in XYZ stack neighborhood where every house looks basically the same, will this possibly be okay? Yes. I think there's a possibility of it. Do I think outside of that, it is such a hard thing to reproduce on what agents do. I don't know if the tech is going to be strong enough for at least 50 years to be able to reconcile with that. Is your team using KW command speaking of tech yeah, or is it just so, your individual agents? Like what is your team not use like a typical use, CRM? Yep. So we use real geeks. So okay. my team uses real geeks. And the only reason we do not use command is because the build out that we did inside Real Geeks for the last 15 years was so elaborate uh, that, you know, and, and our website produces so many leads every single month because of the landing pages we built and everything else that, yeah, we don't, we haven't made that transition yet because it's just not a big enough value for us to do so. But I know plenty of people that are big teams that are having massive success with it and massive issues with it. You know, I think it's just like any, you know, developing tech. There's what's your, what's your favorite tech right now? What's my, your favorite, my favorite tool? tech? So what we use, so if I, and, I, and I'll just give a shout out to it. I love real geeks. Uh, I think the Ferraris in our industry are real geeks in Boomtown. If you're not using one of those two, then you're probably not playing at a high level. I think Sisu is what we utilize for all of our agent tracking, which is a game changer, uh, meaning turning in numbers, tracking contracts, having visual scoreboards, which we're huge believers in. Then uh, how, do you, all... how do you have Real Geeks and Sisu integrated? Are you using Real Sync? Yep, correct. Yep. So that's a big piece. And then we have obviously Real Geeks synced with all of our website leads, or excuse me, uh, Zillow. Any type of leads we have, it's all coming in and synced with Zapier through Zillow. 
And then we, you know, the outside tech, right, that we utilize. So we are big fans of Red X. We're big fans of Mojo. And we also have a company that we use that's called Nexus Lexus that helps us find uh, data, right? So we use skip tracing data like bounty hunters use to find people. Um, because again, we're not stupid either. We understand Chris, this is a data game and he or she who can source and find, for example, if you are an absentee owner and you own the, you know, six properties in LLC, most agents will stop there. Cause they'll go, Oh, I can't ever get to the owner. Well, if I can find the data that gets me the owner of that LLC and I can get his phone number and have a conversation with his six properties, well, maybe he wants to sell two or three of them. So I think the data game is. What do you think is going to happen on the pricing side? Do you think we're at a plateau and we're going to be stagnant for a while? Do you see us declining? What are your thoughts yeah, on future so prices? Think, well, obviously market to market here in the Denver metro area, we've already seen it. I mean, I study it all the time. So, you know, showing times, days on market have already quadrupled in, uh, since uh, July 15th. You're seeing it slow. Then you have school starting, which is always the weirdest time of year because everybody freezes for a second. So now agents for the first time are getting panicked. You're seeing less listings hit the, the market. So the inventory is still pushing, but it's the same thing. Eventually you get to a breaking point where prices cannot continue to exceed because the problem here, Chris, is we're pricing out all of the normal buyers. When I say by normal, I mean FHA, VA, buyers that are working normal jobs. Unless you are independently wealthy or have a shoot ton of cash, eventually prices will have to come back to real earth. So because inflation and people's salaries haven't increased enough to be able to live here. Right. Otherwise, people just start moving to outer areas or in our area, everybody starts leaving. Our biggest exodus right now is to Texas. They're going, why stay here when I can go live in Texas, get paid the same amount of job and pay 150 grand for a, a little mega Texas mansion instead of paying 700,000 for the same house here. So I think people are just getting to the point where you're seeing that migration happen out of force. Right. Yes. Colorado is a beautiful place to live. And I, I can't imagine living anywhere else. But you're going to get to the point where it's not worth that much. What are you investing in? So I'm investing in companies. Uh, my biggest focus is investing in you know all the ancillary options. So mortgage, title, uh, property management, and just looking at ways to grow those complementary businesses that are already in my wheelhouse. So yeah, every dollar Great. I would tell them. Are you getting an operating partner that runs the show and then you're putting up half the capital and then helping, you know, influence clients to, to work with them? Is that kind of the deal? That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. That, that, that fastest way I've ever heard it explained, but yes, exactly so. Cool. Well, so I want to finish the show off with maybe if you could just ponder for a quick moment on what you think the greatest secret has been to you building your business and getting to the point you're at today. What is that one thing that um, if somebody could hold on to that, they yeah. could um, potentially follow in your footsteps? Yeah. Well, Chris, so I believe in the in the book and, and I believe in a formula called the four disciplines of execution. And the four disciplines of execution have helped me build every business and everything I've done since day one, where it is you have to first, most people don't identify we call it a swag. You're seriously wild, audacious goal. You might've heard BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. I think in the book, they call it the wig, your wildly imaginable goal. First of all, most people, Chris, have no idea what they want and they're not clear on it. 
So you have to establish what you want. Then the second discipline is you have to focus on the driving forces. And I, I picked two that are going to know that if you do these two activities, that you're going to make sure that everything else lines up. So in real estate for us, we focus on two major activities. One, we know if we put a certain amount of people into our database and process them, meaning nurture them with our, our system, then for every 29 people we put in our system, we close a transaction. So all we have to know is that metrics. We've tested this for years. It's ranged from 27 to about 35. But I know every time we put 29 new people and put them on our nurture system, we close a deal. So if I do that activity, then the rest of the deals in the formula will line up, right? Now, then people go, why, why can't you just sell 20,000 houses? Well, Chris, as you know, then you get into the problem of hiring talent, right? And then that becomes a whole nother issue of organizing, managing, having people and people are getting pregnant, moving, leaving, coming, going. So then it becomes a people management problem. But back to discipline. So discipline one, identify what you want. Discipline two, make sure you know the key activities that you have to do to accomplish it. My favorite discipline, number three, have visual scoreboards, right? We are the most visual team on earth. You know, we have so much fun, you know, contests, scoreboards, whiteboards, everybody knows what's going on. So it's in front of your face all the time. And then number four, build a cadence of success, meaning what I call a calendar of success. So does your calendar produce the activities from one, two, and three that are going to lead you to accomplishing that seriously wild, audacious goal? So another word for it is just re reverse engineering. I just try to take what I want or what I want to accomplish, reverse engineer what has to happen to get there, keep it highly visual, and then let nothing in my calendar screw me up. Love it, man. That's some gold right there. That's it. That's if, anybody's, it. if anybody's listening, go get the book, Four Disciplines yep. of Execution. You will love it. Hey, uh, Brennan, this has been great, man. I, I enjoyed playing devil's advocate with you. No I'm, problem. You know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't swing anybody's flag. You know, I'm not with Remax sure. or any big name brokerage. Yeah. So, um, you know, all good questions. Lot, yeah, lot, this was lots like of hardball. Stuff. I thought I was on like that hardball show. It was like <laughs> that was great. Normally, people oh, are like, so you know easy softballs. This was fun because yeah, this is what we should be talking about. Chris is yeah. preparing for the Armageddon of real estate, right? I love, you, you know, you know, it's fascinating. I, I always, I always used to say that um, <laughs> they would need robots to walk through the houses, but now there's, you know, first off, I mean, Zillow has like professional photos of like every house. Thanks to us, the realtors sure. yep. and there's software out there that actually can, you know, look at the photo and incorporate it into their algorithm to measure upgrades. And so it's, it's fascinating what you can do with um, rendering software now that like analyzes photographs and then uh, you know, regarding externalities, like what do you back up to? Like uh, if you're backing up to a green belt or are you backing up to commercial, a lot of these externalities are being recorded by the brokerages that are backing Zillow offers well, and feeding all like, the machine learning. Exactly. And like I said, the inspections, I mean, think about it. How many inspections are recorded now on every house, right? So it's, it's insane. And if you, you see some inspections, I mean, you're talking full on photo reports, every piece, roof, this, that, and the other. So you're exactly right. Uh, I think that's why the war cry has to be, you have to become a specialist in something. The general practitioner will be eaten alive. Yeah, that's it. Brandon, thanks so much for being on the show. Guys, if you're listening to this and you're looking for coaching in the real estate industry, go check out Brendan Bardick, 
Brendanbartik.com. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, yeah. Brendan Bartik. So B-R-E-N-D-A-N-B-A-R-T-I-C.com. Our free script books on there. All of our coaching products. We have a uh, live events that are coming up as, as long as COVID, you know, stays away for a little bit, hopefully. Yeah. But yeah, check out our live events, check out our modules or become part of our coaching community. But uh, yeah, we just want to help agents become elite. That's it. All right, man. Thanks for, thanks for being on the show. For you guys listening, be sure to hit that subscribe button and uh, tune in next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Chris. Want more CEO secrets? If so, you can get a free copy of my book, The Million Dollar Real Estate Team at www.themilliondollarrealestateteam.com for free. Inside this book, you'll find my top secrets that we've used to net $1 million in just three years.